I'm Scott Harris. Welcome to the Dairy Dive. Today we're going to be covering cover crops. Buckle up because we're diving deep. First of all, we hope we can try to educate you so you learn just a little bit, a little bit. My whole life's been dairy farming. Some days you wonder why you ever milk cows. It's kind of just in the blood around here. I don't know what it is, but we like livestock. Buckle up. The Dairy Dive starts now. Today I had the opportunity to sit down with a gentleman named Brett Reed uh, with AgriSource, uh, located out in Idaho. And um, probably there's probably a large part of our audience that doesn't live in Idaho, but I still want to encourage you to stay tuned because he goes over a lot of information that would be extremely beneficial no matter what geography you're in regarding cover crops. I feel like cover crops is one of those things that's been talked about a lot ever since I started in the industry, um, but uh, still very misunderstood. And so I think that uh, Brett does a really nice job of uh, explaining that and, uh, and and kind of breaking it down for us. And I just think the benefits behind it can be extremely uh, high and something that everybody should be considering. So hope you enjoyed this uh, session that we were able to visit with Brett Reed from AgriSource. Okay. All right, so we are welcoming in today a gentleman named Brett Reed with uh, AgriSource, and I've got to work very closely with Brett uh, a little more this year and enjoying working with him. A very bright individual who has a lot of knowledge about this area and, and a lot of stuff. But uh, Brett, welcome to the Dairy Dive, and why don't you kind of start off by telling us exactly who you are, where you're located, and what you do. Thank you, Scott. Uh, I do appreciate it and um, privilege to, to be on here with you guys. Yeah, to start off, um, so my name is Brett Reed. I work for a company called AgriSource Inc. Um, also developed a side of that part called AgriCover Seeds, uh, located in Burley, Idaho. Um, I primarily work from the south side of Idaho and the eastern side of Idaho and all of Utah. Um, so I do a lot with, with dairies, ranches, farmers, row crops, um, kind of just an all-around um, jack-of-the-trade, um, but do a lot with, with nutrition and nutrition density and different cover crops, forages, cereals, all the like. Yeah, you guys do a lot of different stuff, I know that, um, and I got to see a few of those cover crop fields when I was out there with you. It was pretty pretty fun and interesting, but so that's, a t- that's our topic today. We're going to, as our as our little title on the on the podcast says, we're going to covering cover crops. And so, uh, so as we talk about cover crops, I feel like you know I've been in the industry, Brett, since uh, 2011, and cover crops were, were I felt like then were were starting to get talked about a lot. But then I feel like it's gone through like this. Uh, there's been times when it's been really hot. There's been times when it's not been as hot. I think there's been a lot of education and learning that's had to go on um, over time to do that. Uh, but kind of to start things off, so if you were having a conversation, uh, what are some of the main goals and reasons someone needs to be considering cover crops at this stage? Um, definitely, if you have cattle or you have some kind of livestock, that right there can just help turn your return on investment so much because um, of the way that the the seed is so much cheaper than, than a forage seed. Um, and the benefits are, are pretty amazing. Um, the other one is, is I like to have guys with, with cover crops because of rotation issues. Um, I like to keep something in the soil 
all year round. Um, soil moisture retention, armor on the ground. I mean, a lot of these principles we talk about on four R's and you know, a lot of guys, I mean, let's face it, there's trigger words. Cover crops could be one of them. Um, but to really drive the point home is you need diversity. And I think that's what we're, we're kind of missing out. But the cover crops bring that in, in in a lot of our areas. Yeah. So when you're talking about this, do you find that um... – a lot of guys. What what would be a reason? Some what is what is preventing people from doing it more, Brad? Is it lack of understanding of the benefit that comes with it, or cost, or what? What typical excuses or reasons are you hearing for not participating in a program like this? Because I'm having a hard time not seeing. I mean, I see so much benefit without. Maybe I'm just not understanding the challenge behind it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, for one, a huge benefit is a lot of the like USDA NRCS has programs that you can actually make a blend, put it in there, and they'll pay for a lot of that seed up front. So, cost should shouldn't be that big of an issue. But yeah, that's that's some of the uh, excuses that some guys get. Uh, the other one is, you know, how is this going to play into what I'm already doing, my system, or or something that's been Like if we look at a legacy farm that's been in the business for, you know, hundreds of years, there's a few farms out here in Idaho that are over a hundred years. And it's, it's, it's a mentality too, that if, if I change something drastically um, could happen and no, sure. That's, that's true. But at the same token, um, change can promote growth as well. And I think a lot of it too, is just, it's, it's out of the norm and it's, it's something different, but a lot of the guys that I've helped transition into using cover crops, um, they said, yeah, the first year was hard, but it wasn't necessarily a bad thing. It was just a learning curve. And then it just, then it just becomes a part of their routine again. Um, and then they go from there, but it opens up their mind to other possibilities and thinking outside the box. And I, I, I see more benefits when guys use it than when they don't. Now, is there certain cover crops that, you know, we try to avoid versus their rotation and what they do? Absolutely. And that's, that's where I come in and help these guys out a little bit more. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really some of the excuses is cost and, and how do I harvest and how do I spray and how do I, you know, do I work the ground after this? What do I follow? What's my rotation now? You know, is this going to screw that up for me? And that, um, that's when we sit down and we talk about it. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Um, so when you're talking, you said you talked, we used the word blends, and then you mentioned that there's maybe certain things you wouldn't use or whatever, depending on rotation. So let's get, get into the uh, kind of a little deeper here. So as far as the ingredient side, is there some key ingredients that you think are just most beneficial that you'd like to highlight on uh, when we, as we talk about this? Oh, for sure. Um, I, I, especially out here, I know like in the Midwest, there's a lot of rye that's grown, um, out there. We don't do a lot of rye here. Um, we're always trying to get rid of rye. So when you say rye or rye grass or something with the name in it, that automatically turns off the growers. Um, so what I, I use, um, trit, which is also rye and wheat, but, um, Trit actually does a really good job of bringing in that carbon back to the soil. If, if, if I had something that I would put in a blend all the time, it would be Trit 
or it would be oats, something because where we have a higher pH out here, it really helps to bring down that pH. And you, you see that soil just gets so much more mellow. Um, the, the aggregation that comes from using trit or using oats or even rye at that point, it just, the benefits are so much and you can hay it. If you have cattle, you can take it to seed. You could take it to grain. Um, the market for grains not as high, but we have so many dairies out here and so many feedlots too that, in my opinion, there's there's no reason why we couldn't find a way to move that for somebody if they're wondering, mm-hmm. well, how do I market this? How do I go to, um, you know, make this work for me? But um, a lot of times, cover crops are looked at as just that cover and nothing else. So when a guy's looking at spending money on per acre, it's like, well, I'm not going to get any of that back. And, and I say, why not? Let's, let's use it. So yeah, trit oats. Um, I really like, um, using clover, some legumes, some peas. When we get into a mix, you know, we have some high elevations here, um, that we do, we mess with up to 6,600 feet. Um, but you know, in some of our mixes, I've, been able to grow sorghum sedan that high too. And we use that on some of these high altitude, um, cattle growers. So it's, it's, it's really fun to mess around with those. Um, but if you're in an irrigated situation, it's, it's almost endless on your possibilities, but as far as key ingredients, I stick with grasses, a little bit of brassicas and, and I like some legumes here and there. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So yeah, you did, I think you mentioned it. If not, hit on it a little more either way uh grazing it you can a lot of times you can graze this right you have individuals doing that correct they let the little like cattle out into these and graze it absolutely yeah i actually was just out at a dairy yesterday um we did oh four or five pivots of of a mix and we just we let the they have a beef side too and we i, I want to call it bunch grazing mob grazing however you want to do it um and even sometimes we just let them eat throughout the whole field. But if we can save money on hay or we can save money on grass and use those cover crops, it's, it's amazing how green they'll stay. I mean, our high today is 28 degrees and those brassicas, they've fallen over, but they're still green and they're still got the trigger pressure. Um, and they'll stay that way till about 10 degrees Fahrenheit for three or four days, up to five days. And, a lot of times you can lock in some pretty good quality protein upwards of 35% on crude protein in some tests that I've done. Wow. So, um, yeah, guys will be grazing that for three to four months. And then if they need to, they can break into their hay and where we have basically nine months out of the year where we're feeding, it's, it's huge to bring down that cost of feed. Yeah, absolutely. That, I mean, that's kind of, that's so. I mean, I rode around with you. Um, I don't know. It feels like it feels like it wasn't that long ago, but I'm, I'm sure it was month, month and a half ago, maybe something like that. Uh, and we, you know, we so you took me to a couple of fields, and there was one that had like these massive radishes uh, as part of the mix, and uh, and I think they're grazing on that field, if I remember right, or they will be. Is that I don't know for sure? If I might be mixing up my farms, but uh, I mean, it was. It was gorgeous. I mean, it was just, there was so much plant material out there that looked healthy and you know it was going to be beneficial. And you're talking protein numbers like that. I mean, you can't buy protein that cheap for sure. I mean, there's no way. 
No, no way. And and just to kind of give you an idea, like a cost per acre, you know, we were sitting around, we could, we, we were around like 30, I think it was about 30 bucks an acre. Um, and we drilled that cover crop and looking back on it now, we could have backed off on our numbers because we got a little bit more than, than what we bargained for. Cause normally we're just spreading it across and rolling it in. Mm-hmm. So our efficacy is a little bit lower um, and with this drill that we used, um, it was covered crop drill and, and we were using it for interseeding in corn and we're like, oh, let's just try it. So we did and we got some huge numbers and that field that you saw is the same farm we're talking about. They had about 250 head out there just grazing on that and and they'll keep putting more out there and, and moving them. And it's it was up to, I pulled up a couple of those uh, purple tops and some of those radishes up to my hip on the leaf tissue, on the leaf matter just yesterday. Um, and they still had, they, they were, the trigger pressure and, and their um, overall countenance was a little lower just because we had a freezing frost and it's foggy today. And, you know, it's like I said, a high of 28. So there's not a whole lot standing up, but you break that open and you can still, see there's green it's not um super wilted or anything like that which is amazing to me that we can we can keep that and not only is there enough um aggregation uh and and fracking from all that you're keeping all that moisture i mean we put that in some fields that historically would just be running off after the snowfall and all of our spring rains and with all those brassicas and 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 that trip and the Italian ryegrass that I use too, that's another one I love to go to. Um, and I also actually mix a lot of master grays in with my cover crop mixes too, uh, to give a little bit more sugars, to give a little bit more um, feedstuffs. And it really does a good job of, of putting down some root structure too. So it, it there's so many benefits that you just, you can sit here and name them off all day long. And especially if you have cattle, I don't know why you wouldn't be doing cover crops and, anyways yeah absolutely so if somebody is going to kind of dive off into this maybe you've kind of tripped their trigger or they've been considering cover crops uh, going into that what are some expected challenges or what is there any um, that someone should be thinking through as they dive off into this or consider to start uh, moving into this cover crop arena what are some expected challenges well that's a good question um so definitely, is there anything that's going to overwinter? I mean, a lot of times we try to make, um, if I have, I'll just give a kind of a classic rotation on some things that, that we do, uh, say for a dairy. So right now we would do a um, cover crop mix that we would just be harvesting corn in about mid-September, first week of September. We'd have a hard frost in that first week, second week of September, I would be trying to plant my cover crop um, first. I would love to get it in the first of August, but challenges are I'm usually about mid-August. So they can survive that first frost um, pretty pretty good. We get some good growth going on, especially if we have it a long fall like the last couple. Um, and then I take that and we'll, we'll try to graze it not until about December or so because we want enough leaf mass and, and biomass on the top. And then about, and if I'm going in a no-till situation, I, I watch for 
do I have too many brassicas that are putting too many tubers down, like our radishes, our turnips, um, those sort of things. So would I use more of a mustard? Would I use more grasses? That's that's what I'm looking at. So you'd have to look at your rotation because these guys are going to go into it spring trit, and they'll go to that spring trit and then cut that early, still in the boot stage as much as I can, and they'll chop that. Of course, this is a dairy. If I'm going – beef would be a little different. Um, and then I'm going to go into corn. I'm going to be planting corn about that second week of May, possibly the first week of June at the latest is what I try to, um, try to get in. And then I'm going to intercede cover crops in between those corn rows, the first week of July, last week of June. If I do that, then I actually don't have to make that, uh, cover crop planting in August, because that'll actually give me that much further ahead. And the benefits that we see on the corn, on our silage, are amazing. I think the first, second year we did it, um, we have pivots out here, and there was two or three waterings that we were able to skip because of our soil retention for our moisture. It was pretty pretty impressive. Um, and then our, our, our density um, in our corn... Uh, for silage, I, I would say like your food density. I don't know exactly the way I'm I'm trying to explain that, but the uh, the sugars, the everything that was just right there in that in that plant were were pretty impressive. More so than what we've seen before, pounds per acre on your milk um, starch numbers. So the diversity is is something that I think we've missed in our agricultural system for a long time, and. I think cover crops is one of those ways that we can help with that. So yeah. if I do that, then I can use that. I'll get an extra month or two. Um, and usually when the corn's taken off right afterwards, two weeks later, I'm, I'm at least two ton uh, per acre as far as feed value goes. Um, and then if I let it go for another couple months, um, A, I've skipped that planting and I've already got food stuffs. Uh, right there ready to go and then i can plan my next rotation for next year yeah absolutely so i think what you're maybe referring to is that nutrient density right that am i getting you know you got the, you, go. you got the same amount of space right and uh how, how many more nutrients can i pack into that just like we would look at as humans right if i if i eat if i take an apple and you know it's a certain size and i take a candy bar that's the exact same size which one am I going to get more value of? I know which one I'd rather eat, but which one am I going to get more right. nutrient density value out of? And that's kind of the same principle, essentially, that you're talking about with the, with the corn silage. So that's, that's awesome. And I think so much of that probably, I mean, a lot a lot of it definitely would come back to healthier plant. I mean, if you have a healthier plant, you're going to have a higher nutrient density in there for sure. So. Um, so, so kind of, as we close it out here, um, anything that you've hit on that you want to really reemphasize or maybe you haven't got, we haven't gotten there yet that you want to make sure and get across to people, um, about cover crops and maybe they're, you know, something for people that are well-established new that's going on or new people that are diving off into it. Anything that you want to hit on before we close it out here? Yeah. Um, I would try what I would try to hit home or, or try to spark the interest of somebody is if, if you have corn, try interceding a few acres um, and, and set some expectations, A, that are low, 
Um, because if you go in there thinking, you know, this cover crop's going to do me this and this and that, that first year, usually we don't have the microbiome in the soil to really, uh, you're kind of overloading the system at that point because for the most part, it's just not there. So the first year we kind of see like a little bit of a lull, um, much like you do if you're coming transitioning from uh, a tillage practice to a no-till practice. You're, you know, that first year can be kind of sketchy, and then you see it, the benefits a little bit more in second, third, and then fourth and fifth years uh, for sure, and then um, following that. So I, I usually tell guys, what's your expectations? What do you want to get out of it? We pull one of those key principles, and that's what I focus on. Um, and then I don't start off with so many varieties and so many different things in your cover crop mix that it's, it's going to be overwhelming. Get things that play nice with each other. Um, alfalfa and corn play really great together. So if you're transitioning to an alfalfa field uh, in your rotation the next, the next year, interseed or plant alfalfa the same time you're doing your corn. And then you're actually going to get a little bit of alfalfa in with your silage if you're doing silage. And, um, you know, so there's, there's things to think about that. Um, but if you do use a cover crop, some of those cover crops will stick around. They're hard to, to kill out. Um, and look at your system. So be be selective in your system. Keep your first year expectation a little lower and then try not to have too many outlying variables. So it's easier to bring that in and really focus and, and get it tied together outside of that. that. That's probably what I would drive home at the uh, as far as cover crops go. Perfect. For sure. Yeah, perfect. That is uh, that's great advice, and I hope it. I hope everybody will at least think about this and consider it. I've seen the benefits uh, from myself, and and just hearing uh, Brett talk about. It, I know it's something he's extremely passionate about, and I think it's the opportunity to to even present on quite a bit. And and so, with that being said, Brett, if somebody does have any. Uh, questions or maybe they just want to follow up with you. I know you're a, even if they're not in your area, you're a very helpful guy. I know I've, I've utilized Brett quite a bit having guys all across the country call him uh, for different questions. And so how would they, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Yeah. So um, my cell phone number uh, being a seed guy never, never gets turned off. So um, I can tell you that number or we can, we can post it somewhere, but uh, my cell phone number and then uh, email email is a good way to do it too text is a great way too so i'm i'm pretty open and, and available to to any of that yeah why so, don't you go ahead and give us your email address and let uh let some people reach out to you if they have any questions okay yeah um it's b read at agrisourceinc.com and that's r-e-e-d right that's correct. Yep. So B R E E D at agrisource.com. Agrisource Inc. Agrisourceinc.com. Sorry. Yep. Perfect. Wonderful. All right. Well, Brett, thanks again for taking the time and helping us cover cover crops. There was definitely no way I could have uh, done that good a job by myself. So I definitely appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, no problem. Sometimes I get a little bit ahead of myself because I am passionate about it. So, um, yeah, if anybody has any questions or anything, please email, reach out. I'd be more than happy to help uh, just come up with something or make some suggestions and, and go from there. Absolutely. And if you do uh, also want to reach out to Brett and, and for some reason can't can't reach him, just reach out to uh, to us here 
at the podcast, and we'd be happy to get you connected with Brett. So with that, as far as connecting and along that same lines, don't forget to uh, subscribe to the podcast. We drop episodes uh, every other Wednesday, and so we want to try to bring really good information to you. We've had some really good ones we recorded that will be dropping um, and so just, uh, continue to let us know. And if you have any other topics you'd like for us to cover, uh, shoot me an email, uh, S Harris, S H A R R I S at Rob Love to, uh, dive into some topics maybe that are impacting you. And so check us out on Facebook, all the other social media platforms, LinkedIn, uh, YouTube, some good content out there that we're always working on and visit us at seedcorn.com. So with that, hope everybody has a great day and a great week and we'll talk to you soon.